Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by iowa.rivals.com and Go Iowa Awesome. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Joined today by publisher of Wildcat Report, Louis Vacare, part of the Rivals Network. Louis, kind enough to join us on this Wednesday pod, Thursday if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Before we get too much into the matchup this weekend, Louis, I believe I heard somewhere that Northwestern's over under to start the season for wins was like two and a half, and they're at four right now. Four yeah. with four games left. How did this happen? How did how did the Northwestern Wildcats get here after such a dismal look to start the season? Losing their head coach right before it starts, losing commits all over the place. How did how did we get here? Yeah, it's been pretty stunning. I don't think anybody could have foreseen them being four and four at this point in the season. Uh, you know, David Braun, I think they, they mishandled just about everything in the Pat Fitzgerald situation and the hazing scandal and firing them. It was a complete disaster. But one thing I think they got right is hiring David Braun. He's been uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, he's, he's done everything right. The players love him. They play hard for him, even in their losses. You know, those guys don't quit. And here they are, you know, four and four. They knocked off Maryland last week. They're 13 and a half point underdogs at home. They they got that big win against Minnesota. They're down 31 to 10 in the fourth quarter, came back and won it in overtime. Uh, they're playing a backup quarterback, too. So it's they, they've had a lot of adversity and this team has just come together. And I think that's what really he's done so well. They are together. They play hard for him. He's got them focused on football and, you know, and then not, not only all the things you mentioned, but uh, they're coming off a one and 11 season. They're four. Yeah. You know, they've won four of their last uh, 24 games over the last two years. So to be sitting here four and four, and now we're talking about potential bowl bids, you know, it's, it's a pretty stunning turn and it's, you know, David Braun has kind of won me over. I think if, if this continues, they win another game or two. And certainly if they become bowl eligible, I think you, you got to give him the uh, permanent job. I was just going to ask about that. Do you, do you think, like, how do you think p- things pan out? Obviously you can't look too far into the future with, uh, with four weeks left in the season, big 10 West, you never know what's going to happen. Do you think David Braun ends up getting this job? Well, like I said, if if he makes a bowl game with this team, I think you have to. I, I think the fan base will be completely behind it, and uh, they they would really have no other choice, you know. And and it's 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 a trying situation right now because you know right now they don't know how much of the staff is going to come back. Because the thing is, too, they've got five coaches from the Fitzgerald era that you know they were there for the hazing stuff that went on, so they may want to get rid of those guys, even if they keep Braun and, you know, can Braun fill out a staff? I mean, the guy's been an FBS coach now for six months or not six months, but since January. Right. So hasn't been very long. Uh, You know, they don't know how many transfers they could have at the end of the year, especially if they don't retain him. Um, The the athletic director is under fire right now. I'd say the school president's feeling some heat. So everything is kind of up in the air. And then on top of it all, they're going to be homeless for the next two years. They're going to redo Ryan field. So this is a, it's a challenging task in front of them. I, I didn't think he'd be the right guy for the job, but the guy has won me over and, you know, he still has defensive coordinator duties. The defense has been much improved over the last couple of years. Um, 
I, th- I think, like I said, if they make a bowl, you got to give them a job, I think, for sure. On top of decommits, folks transferring out, players transferring out, um, staffing issues with the Pat, Pat Fitzgerald era still lingering, it's not easy to get guys to, well, transfer or to commit to Northwestern, especially considering the academic rigors and the academic standards. That's something a lot of people I feel like don't think about. I mean, obviously Northwestern is a very well-regarded school, but you pair that with football and it makes things a little bit, a little bit. Oh, no question. Yeah, no question. I mean, it's a, it's a, they're ranked ninth in the U S news and world report. You know, it's a, it's an elite school. It's less than 10% acceptance rate now. Um, so yeah, it, that makes it all the more challenging. That's always been there, you know, but that's something that every coach has to face. And I think, you know, Pat Fitzgerald was able to kind of turn that into a selling point over the years. Um, and right now, you know, David Braun has gotten some guys to commit this year with all this uncertainty around them. There's still guys that, uh, you know, showing confidence in him and the program. Um, and, and a lot of it, I think, is because of the academic side. They realize the value of that. They, these are good students that value that uh, degree from Northwestern. So that's that's part of the appeal, certainly. But, uh, yeah, that's just another thing that uh, he's managed to do pretty well since he's been uh, in place since July. Uh, 10% acceptance rate. I don't think I would have gotten in nor- into Northwestern. I can tell you that right now. Uh, big well, old. I, I went to Northwestern a long time ago. I couldn't get in today. I, I guarantee <laughs> you that. Like, yeah. I was gonna say big uh, University of Northern Iowa energy right here on, on the oh, podcast. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, do you think this team would be where it's at right now with Pitts, Pat Fitzgerald at the at the helm? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I. I, I would think, yeah, probably, you know, I, I think they certainly wouldn't have had, you know, they had some guys transfer as soon as they fired him and only one that was going to be a starter, but they lost a lot of depth. You know, they, they started the season with 103 guys, which is low. Like, you know, most teams are around 120. So they're, they're down for sure in terms of depth. Um, and to give him credit, he did hire David Braun. He did bring in those five assistants before any of this happened. Um, so he, he saw the need to make some changes. Um, so, you know, has David Braun changed the stuff happening on the field? He has from the defensive side. Absolutely. Mike Bajakian still run the offense and, um, you know, David Braun, I'll tell you, he kind of lets Bajakian have free reign of the offense. He doesn't meddle too much on that side of the ball because he is the defensive coordinator as well. So he's got kind of an interesting role as a head coach. Um, I, I don't think they've changed that much appreciably on the field. Um, I think they'd be, you know, they might be around the, the same boat, something like that. I, I think they'd be in the neighborhood of four and four right now, certainly. Better or for worse, he's letting his uh, offensive coordinator run things on the offensive side of the ball. Seems like they're they're struggling uh, so yeah. far this season. Just 2.9 yards per carry on the ground. Just got over 105 rushing yards twice against the UTEP and Howard. And then the passing game, over 210 passing yards against Minnesota and Maryland. Other than that, all under that 210 yards mark. Quarterback Ben Bryant uh, was a starter until Penn State. Now it's Brandon Sullivan, like you mentioned at the top. 
what's this team's mo offensively where where do they succeed and, and I, it doesn't appear that they find a spot to succeed on a regular basis i think they're the second worst offense in the big 10 and the worst is iowa Shocker. yeah who's who's the worst let's see <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know so all this all the talk this year about uh, brian ference and that 25 point per game you know northwestern's well under that they're averaging uh what is it they're they're 21.8 right now. So they're only 2.3 points per game below Iowa, right? And that got their coordinator fired. Uh, but Mike, J- Mike Bajaki, and yeah, they, they've struggled this year and in years past. I mean, the offense has really struggled the last few years, uh, certainly under him the last four. Um, they, they haven't been able to run the ball. I thought that was the one thing that they'd try to hang their hat on this year was running the football and they haven't, they're averaging less than a hundred yards a game, which is like 120th in the country, worse than the big 10. Um, that just hasn't happened for them. And their success this year has been through throwing the ball. You know, last, last week, Brendan Sullivan really had a breakout. So he had a tough game against Nebraska. The offense scored just nine points, failed to score a touchdown. And then last week they put up 33. Uh, Sullivan had 265 yards passing and two touchdowns. He ran for 56. So he's, it's going to have to be that way. They're not going to magically start running the ball against Iowa. That's for sure. And um, they're going to have to throw the ball. And the question is, can they protect them? Because that's, you know, Northwestern's been sacked more than any team. I think they've given up 35 now, which is which is a lot. And even last week, uh, you know, the, Nebraska got them eight times. They were much better against Maryland. Maryland still got them five times. So, you know, and, and Sullivan's pretty mobile, too. You know, he's, he's getting a lot of pressure. And then so it's going to be, can they protect him? And then can he make the right decisions and get the ball out on time? He has a tendency to hold it a little too long sometimes. Um, so I don't think all those sack numbers, they're not necessarily always on the offensive line, but uh, he's got to find ways to get the ball out on time and they'll try to move the pocket and things like that to make it a little easier for him. Now, my concern going into this game was all the things surrounding the Iowa program. And we'll talk about that here momentarily, but what you just said is definitely a positive for Iowa fans going into this game of Brennan Sullivan being a bit of a mobile guy, but also a quarterback that holds on to the quarter or hold on to the ball too long. We saw that with Hudson card and Purdue and Iowa finished that game, I believe with six sacks. And so I, I believe I would guess that Purdue's offensive line is better than Northwestern's based on the things that you've said. So that's definitely something that, is advantageous for for Iowa though um I think YA Black might it's not positive that he'll be out there I think on the depth chart it was it was Michael Pittman he's dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury but I think the the bye week should probably help with that and Northwestern's probably thinking their lucky stars that Noah Shannon isn't isn't available still yeah yeah, that's big. It, it, it's been an issue for them all year protecting the quarterback, and it was even more so, I think, with Bryant because Bryant is not as mobile as Sullivan. Sullivan can move around back there. Um, I think Bryant's a better passer, but in a little more accurate. But uh, Sullivan does bring some dimension to the offense that they need, especially because they can't run the ball. He's often their only running game as well, so he's he's got a lot on his shoulders. Um, and the offensive line, I think they've probably been the biggest disappointment. Uh, you know, for any unit on the Northwestern team this year, I thought they'd be a lot better. They do have some players that have played quite a bit of football. I mean, they, you know, they lost a guy like Peter Skaronsky, right? A first round draft pick. And 
Um, they, they lost some guys, but they had some guys with quite a bit of experience and they just, um, they haven't executed. I think it's a lot of one man breakdowns and they're, they're just having issues up there. And, and, you know, when you're facing a front like Iowa, that's going to be a primary concern is can they keep Sullivan clean, you know, at least give them some time to throw The guy can make some plays for you, but, uh, they're going to have to give him a chance. Looking back at some of the things that Iowa has done and you know it's just part of football against quarterbacks that might be a little bit more mobile and that have dealt with some offensive line issues Tanner Mordecai broke his hand when he went to throw the ball he hit it on uh, Jay Higgins helmet and then against Hudson Card like I mentioned they were all over him all day and I think probably 85 maybe 90 percent of quarterbacks wouldn't have gotten up after some of the hits that that Hudson Card took that day so We'll we'll see what happens with with Sullivan being a backup guy and a guy who's a little bit more mobile on Saturday, of course. But where are the weapons for Sullivan in this offense? You mentioned his his mobility. Uh, he is obviously the backup quarterback, and he had some success this last week against Maryland. But who are his top targets? Where is he going with the ball? Yeah, that's that's one thing I think is a positive this year. They, they've been better than I thought they would be as the wide receivers. I think this is Northwestern's best starting group. They, you know, their three starters are better than they've had in the last decade. I'd say. You know, they've they got AJ Henning, uh, the transfer from Michigan, who's got some speed. Right, he can stretch a defense, and that's something we don't see in Evanston very often. You know, he's got some speed that that, and he can make some plays and. Sometimes they just try to give him the ball in space, you know, with uh, screen passes and things like that. Just try to get him and get the ball in number eight's hands and let him go to work. Uh, Bryce Kurtz is a guy uh, finally healthy this year. He's got a little bit of speed as well. He had a monster game against Minnesota, 10 catches, 215 yards, which is the most by a Wildcat receiver since 1980. Um, so he's been a big weapon. And then Cam Johnson, another transfer. He came from uh, Vanderbilt and then the Arizona State. He's kind of your big, he's like 205 pounds, 210 pounds. He's a physical uh, receiver, your possession guy that can go over the middle and uh, get some you know, get some contested balls for you. So uh, those three guys give him some weapons in there. Um, if, if he can get some time and then, you know, Cam Porter is their main, uh, running back. I think, you know, on Saturday, like I said, I, I don't expect them to be able to run the ball effectively, but they got to do enough just to keep the defensive on defense honest. So they're not pinning their ears back and coming after them and, you know, registering double digit sacks or something like that. They've got to at least run enough to keep them honest out there. Speaking of pinning the ears back, getting after the quarterback, I look at the stats for the defense at Northwestern and tried to kind of find some similarities between their wins, and it's kind of all over the place with how they were able to be successful defensively. Six sacks, nine tackles for loss against Maryland, uh, as well as a fumble recovery and a pick. Four sacks, three picks against UTEP. Um, offense was just better than Minnesota and Howard um, in those two wins, but is this a, a quintessential Big Ten West defense where they're keeping everything in front of you, playing zone? Where are the, are their best? Uh, uh, I guess uh, by the sounds of it, yeah, it's David Braun. He's he's leading the the defense, and he's a guy that that Pat Fitzgerald brought in. So, um, how, how do they operate, and and what are their strengths? Yeah, I think you hit it. They, they are a bend, but don't break. So that's the bend, but don't break. You know, that's what Mike, Bege or, uh, I'm sorry, Mike Hankwitz who was a, 
you know, the defensive coordinator for 13 years at Northwestern had a lot of success. That's what they did. You know, they played a lot of cover four on the back end, kept everything in front of them, make you earn it. If you're going to go down the field, it's going to take you 10, 12 snaps to score. And that's kind of what they're doing this year. They, that's what they do well. Their, their tackling has improved a lot during the year. But the thing we've seen the last couple of weeks against Nebraska and last week against Maryland, they're starting to make some plays. You know, against Maryland, they had six sacks, like you mentioned. They also had two turnovers. They got two turnovers against Nebraska. So these last two weeks, they're, you know, North, Northwestern's been on the plus side of the turnover margin, four to one. So they're taking care of the ball. And they're, and they're creating some takeaways. And, you know, when you're a team struggling offensively like they are, those are huge. You know, they've got to be – they've got to win the turnover battle if they want to beat Iowa. they got to play a smart, clean football game and, and maybe take one or two away and, you know, get an upper hand that way. I think that's really – you know, I don't think they're going to outplay them. They're going to have to get a little help. And the, and the defense has been making some plays a little bit more as the season's gone on. I mean, with the worst offense in college football coming to town, I have a feeling some things are going to work for for Northwestern on Saturday. Uh, three turnovers for Deacon Hill against uh, Minnesota a couple weeks ago. He had those two fumbles and the pick. I think he has the, yes, uh, to, to quote Chad Lysicote for finding this stat from the Des Moines Register, he has the most turnover-worthy plays in college football over this last time span between, you know, tipped balls and, and obviously – throwing some ill-advised passes, fumbles, et cetera. Going to be looking for him to be more secure, especially in the pocket with the ball, because just about every time he dropped back against Minnesota, they were swinging at the ball, and it worked for him twice, and that's all the amount that they needed it to work for him uh, going into, into that game. But like I mentioned, Brian Ferentz situation, everything that's going on with Northwestern, having this, I mean, four and four is – well, it's 500, right? But it's a successful yeah. season in the grand scheme of things for Northwestern with where oh, they're no, at no right question. now. Coming off this win, it's in Wrigley. This game is in Wrigley. Iowa just lost to Minnesota. You've got the Brian Ferentz situation. Would you say, based on the read that you can get from this team, from the staff, Wildcats, they roaring and ready to go. Is that sort of the the mindset for them where, where they're ready to attack and go after a team that – that might be kind of in the dumps right now. And, and Kirk Ferentz doesn't have a great history coming off the bye week either. Is is this a team that's approaching this like any other game? Do you think that they're, they're you know, you mentioned pinning their ears back and really going to go after it th- this time around against the Hawkeyes in, in Wrigley, Wrigley? Yeah, I, they're feeling pretty good. They're, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. I think their confidence is pretty high. You know, they had, they really, I thought that Nebraska loss was devastating. I really did. I thought if they wanted to make a bowl, they had to win that game. And for the offense, you know, the defense played a heck of a game and the offense just couldn't get anything going. And they sputtered and couldn't get a touchdown. They lose 17 to nine. So coming off of that, I thought they were pretty down. And then, you know, they had to steal one to be able to get back on track, so to speak. And they did it on Saturday. I don't think anybody thought they would beat Maryland and and certainly no one thought they'd score 33 points to do it. I mean, that, that was unbelievable. Just an offensive explosion. 
so I think they're feeling they're feeling pretty good. I, I think Wrigley Field will be interesting environment. You know, Northwestern's four and one at home this year. We'll see if it carries over a few miles south to Wrigley Field and how that works out. And I expect there's going to be at least as much and probably more black and gold and purple and white in the stands. Um, I think Iowa fans certainly are, are fired up about this. Um, but yeah, they're they're excited to play and yeah. Like, you know, they're, they're in conversations for bowl game, but if it doesn't happen, this is sort of like a bowl game atmosphere. You're playing in a neutral site. It, there's a lot of fanfare. It's, it's pretty cool. They've, you know, they've Northwestern's done it a couple times in the past and it's, it's uh it's a unique kind of event. So it's, it's something I think the kids look forward to, but one thing about Northwestern this year, they have not lost or won two games in a row all year. You know, they're up and down. They lost the opener, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. So we'll see if they can put two to get two weeks in a row together and see if they can uh, notch another W because they've been they've been on a yo-yo. But they their play has improved throughout the year. But they're still, you know, they haven't won, been able to win two in a row. And to their credit, they don't lose a two in a row either. So. You covered a game, a football game in Wrigley before? Yeah, yeah. I was at both of them. At, uh, in 2010, they played Illinois. In 2021, I, yeah, 21, they played Purdue. Yeah. What do you think about it as a football venue? Oh, it's cool. I mean, it's it's different. I mean, it's such an iconic park. And that, that first year, I don't know if you remember, they played uh, – you kind of make it, take it. You remember they only, they only went toward one end zone because of yeah. the clearance on one side. So that was kind of unique, you know, and, and it got, you'll have both teams on the same sideline. That's kind of different. And but the surroundings are cool. And it's, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's kind of like, you'll feel it, you know, if, if you're at the game or, you know, the Iowa writers and stuff, it's, it's almost kind of like a bowl game atmosphere. It's cool just to, to be there and the, you know, the marquee and the, you know, the, bleachers and the scoreboard and all that kind of stuff it, it's cool you'll, you'll you'll enjoy it for sure i will be there i've never been to wrigley i lived in iowa my whole life uh pretty close to chicago and relatively close to chicago and i've never been to wrigley yeah. so first time oh, will be for it. a football yeah. game <laughs> so yeah yeah you'll, uh, it'll be it'll be cool yeah i'm excited now as we start to wind down here expectations for this weekend what what are you what are you expecting score et cetera and and before we get into that I'll I'll let you know spread I just saw it on ESPN it's up to thirty one now was it twenty nine yeah. and a half up to we're above thirty baby that's all we got but uh, spread is five um, what are you expecting how things shake out final score all that yeah and the spreads come down too right didn't it open wasn't there like eight or seven and a half or something like that i don't know i i couldn't tell i, you. I think I so I, I think that's that number's going down and the over under's going up um yeah I, I expect it to be a low scoring game i don't think uh I, last week you know northwestern scored 33 i, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything near that against iowa this week you know unless they get a whole lot of help um i think it's going to be a game in the teens, you know, 17, 13, 14, 10, that kind of old kind of, you know, rock'em, sock'em, Big Ten West football. And, you know, I, I saw a tweet this week, you know, the 25-point magic number that Ferentz had that no Big Ten West team right now is averaging 25 points a game, which yeah. I think is comical, right? That's that's, that's pretty much I'm, – I'm, I'm going to miss the West, I'll tell you that. And <laughs> I, I know Northwestern will too because I don't – it's going to be awfully hard to ever get back to Indianapolis now with, you know, USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, and the West is gone. It's, oof, that's going to be tough, but 
Uh, beside the point, yeah, I expect a low-scoring game. I expect a team that makes the fewest mistakes will probably win the game. Um, I don't think either team is going to be able to do too much offensively. Uh, I think, you know, Iowa has the upper hand defensively. I think Northwestern's got a little bit of an upper hand offensively. I can't believe I just said that, but it's true. You know, it's <laughs> the way this season's gone. It's that's pretty amazing. Um, so it's it's taking care of the football whoever makes the fewest mistakes, that kind of stuff, that old boring big 10 West stuff that uh, we love so much. Right. Final score. Um, I'll tell you what, when I going into this week, I thought for sure I'd be taking Iowa. The more I, I look at the numbers, I'm, I'm kind of just starting to do my, you know, number crunching and analysis and looking at highlights and things like that. But I, I don't know. I, I This this game is going to be up for grabs. I think Northwestern can win this game. Um, it's going to come down to whether they can protect Sullivan and, and stay out of third and longs and things like that, where I was really going to be able to get after them, you know. So can they make some yards on first down, find some ways to, to move the sticks, you know, stay on schedule at least. Um, so it's, it's going to be little things like that. It's going to be in the teens. Like I said, I haven't made my pick yet. I came into the week thinking Iowa. I'm I'm up in the air now. I don't know. How about you? You know, I I changed mine up until I post on our premium board, and we yeah. have everybody <laughs> pop in right now. You know, sitting down and preparing, given everything that's just happening right now with Iowa bye week, et cetera, like we mentioned just a moment ago, my. My initial gut reaction was, I think Northwestern's going to pull this out. After looking at the stats, just how bad they are offensively, still better than Iowa, but still bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to take the Hawkeyes 13 to 9. I think wind is definitely going to factor into that as well. Uh, if it is super windy, I'll probably take like 10 6 Iowa or like 10 3 Iowa. It's just all contingent on on that and and the Northwestern offense and the Iowa defense because I just I don't I don't know how much you listen to Kirk's presser. I know you heard uh, yeah, you I mentioned heard. you'd heard a clip yeah. a clip or two, but um, Deacon Hill still QB one. Yeah, so that I I just don't see how the offense operates with. A guy who is more mobile than an injured Cade McNamara, but still not quite as mobile as Molasses. And Joe Labus is still QB two, and and Deacon Hill having so many turnover turnover worthy plays. I, I I could see a scenario where where Northwestern pulls it out. I'm obviously going to take the under because that's what you do for every Iowa football yeah. game. Yeah, but I, I'm not a a better. I'm not a guy who who bets on on sports. But um, if you are. Hammer the under every single time. 13 to 9. That's my prediction for now. We'll post on our premium board tomorrow about score predictions. If you want to be part of that, you can have, head over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe and be a premium subscriber. You can do the same thing on northwestern.rivals.com if you're a Northwestern fan. And go ahead and follow Louis Vacare on Twitter at Wildcat Report. There does great work for our uh, rivals contingent there in Chicago. Louis, we appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Elliot. It was a pleasure, and I uh, look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Sounds good. We'll wrap it up here. We appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Hotcast. 
brought to you by iowa.rivals.com. If you are not a premium subscriber yet, like I mentioned, you can head over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. You're getting all the information on the Brian Ferentz situation, football, basketball, recruiting, more as well with basketball and football. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and then, of course, YouTube. Leave a comment. Let us know your score prediction for this game on Saturday. Does Iowa pull it out? Drop a like while you're there as well. For now, we'll see you next time.